Okay, welcome to the Goldmine Podcast. This is Patrick Prince, editor of Goldmine, and today's guest is Jim Mohan, the technical director of Ting Tech. Uh, their website is tingtech.io. That's T-I-N-G-T-E-C-H dot I-O. And Goldmine has been covering NFTs on this podcast because it has because basically it has become the new frontier in music collecting. But Ting Tech is about fan engagement, the ability to collect data via sound and more. And we'll get to that later. But first, welcome, Jim. Thank Jim, you, Patrick. You I appreciate it. Great. I, and I appreciate the opportunity to come on and, and speak. Um, just one quick note is we, um, our business was heavily tied uh, through entertainment uh, early on into uh, Russian businesses for children's animation and for music and things. And we are rebranding now for obvious reasons. Um, it's become it's become a, a difficult uh, business environment to have clients and, and uh, a lot of accounts in Russia. In fact, Circle, the, the one of the proponents of USDC stablecoin we use, cut off, um, cut off any payment gateways and rails in and out of Russia. So we re- just rebranded to a new business uh, entity called The Drop. Uh, because we drop basically uh, NFTs and digital assets into people's wallets. So um, we had to do that to kind of uh, disassociate from, from a lot of the negativity you're seeing with connection, connections to uh, Russia. Okay, great. So <clears throat> as far as Ting Tech now, is it now the drop? Is that the... Yep, exactly. And what's the, uh, the uh, link to that, the URL? Uh, it's the drop.pro, P-R-O. Okay, cool. Okay, now in our previous conversations, uh, you told me that it's not a just it's not just about the NFT, like most companies are hyping up. Can you elaborate on that? Sure. You know, um, so first, you know, NFTs are brilliant uh, innovation, and Bitcoin is too. When you hear people say things are a fraud, um, uh, you know that that it's very harsh because I think what you're seeing is a lot of great innovation and because it's moving so quickly uh it's taking time and there's there's quirks and holes in the system but it's been tremendous nfts in particular has given artists and musicians a chance to monetize things that were being given away for free on the internet by kind of tagging the equivalent of a, a certificate of authenticity to somebody's work and letting them sell it so that part's been fantastic um, but what, what's happened is we've only seen sort of the first pass of that kind of tech. And um, as, I, as, as I mentioned before, what, what we've seen so far feels kind of flat-footed that uh, it's sort of an image or you just get a 3D effect, like, you know, something going like this. And like, okay, you know, it was great to start, but now let's, let's get into what it's really about, which is something that goes back to the beginning of time. It's connecting. It's people connecting with each other building communities, you know, interaction. And NFTs and blockchain are great for, for helping to facilitate that um, because the NFT technology can actually be expanded. And this is really the focus of what my company does is, you know, we want to interact with people directly. So um, the, the famous artwork uh, artist, uh, Beeple, did the first major NFT, did the Christie's auction for $69 million. And he's done some cool things since then to connect um, physical art and digital art and have this hybrid NFT. Um, but the idea is he also did something of the election. I mentioned where, you know, if Trump won, it was one image, but if he lost, it was a different image. 
And that's what I'm trying to get to. Sort of the next generation is where you, you have some interaction, you know, events can change. Um, we're just signing a deal right now for a big boxing match. And I guess I can, can say, cause we're, we're, we just got the deal today, but uh big fight in Australia this week for the lightweight championship. We'll do NFTs for that. And um, what we're talking about doing is a, uh, round by round updates of the NFTs. So in other words, you can go out to an Oracle during the fight, do an NFT coming in and every round I can say, here's a key moment uh, of each round. Like, you know, somebody gets a left hook in there and okay, my picture's updated. And I mentioned you could do things like look at a zip code and change the background in a piece of artwork. People's drawing could be rainy in the background or it could be sunny or, you know, whatever. But you can really extend that quite a bit um, and have a much more dynamic, interactive nature to the NFTs. Um, and, and one example I gave is we use we do some cool stuff with sound. I think NBA Top Shots and I mentioned LeBron have an image of him on the wall, and you kind of you know walk by and he's like, "Yo, what's up?" And you you know you can have some kind of dynamic exchange uh, that's possible. So you know those kinds of things, taking the NFT to another level is really what my company's about, and, and pushing that that part hard. Well, I know you, you're talking about all the entertainment aspects. My basic, um, con, you know, I'm, I'm more interested in the music space, obviously, and you guys are getting into that. Um, now, I can imagine you were talking about the boxing match. Well, I can imagine uh, as far as making this into NFT collectability, say a concert like Coachella, a festival rather, and like every song that is played, you can make an NFT. Um, like you said, every round in boxing, well, every song that's played by a band can, yeah. you can make an NFT about it, um, whether it be an image and information about that song or just the band itself. Yep. So there's all kinds of possibilities. Like I said, it's the new frontier. And I like how you use the word flat-footed because that kind of explains the companies are that are just selling nft images the nft that's it and uh, it's got to be more than that it's got to be hooked up to something an experience or something tangible um you know not just digital don't you agree with that yeah absolutely and i think a lot of what we've seen is pretty boring and you know you, i've had people comment to me hey nfts look like they're starting to die out and that's not really true. What's really happening is the stuff that's not interesting, you know, is dying out, you know, for a good reason. The, the real test, litmus test is you have to ask yourself, would I be interested in this myself? If it was offered, do I want to buy my, you know, this thing? Is it cool? And if the answer is no, then, you know, you didn't do a very good job. But music, I'll go back to the boxing for a second, because music and boxing are tied together. What I'm trying to do, um, we're going to have a meeting tomorrow, quickly go through doing some cool uh, music plaques and because I can't afford, this is a real business problem. I can't afford to go get a super prominent, you know, musician now who's on the top of the charts and pay him a million dollars to come in and then hope that, you know, the NFT sells. But what I can do is use some of the connections in the music industry we have and say, okay, let's get some up and coming artists and let them put some background, you know, sound into the NFT We'll do some cool plaque around it, and maybe we'll 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 tie in, you know, an image from the fight in the center kind of thing. But we'll combine. It's really you know bringing together the entertainment, the boxing, and the music component, which I think has a great synergy. Um, and then from from a business standpoint, 
it gives me a chance to go out to up and coming, you know, artists and say, Hey, if your stuff is really, you know, pretty solid, we can pull that in and, and give you a chance at getting a level of exposure you've never seen before. You know, so from, from my perspective, it's a great, great way to do that. And I'm leveraging that into the music industry where I think there's this sort of synergy coming together from different parts of entertainment that the NFT can help bring together. Same way movies would bring together, you know, music and visual imagery and, you know, acting and that kind of thing. Right. Now let's talk about like some of the, getting back to concerts, um, you know, you guys are big about fan engagement and entertainment and you have the ability to collect data via sound waves, right? Is that correct? Sure. Um, we can, we can maybe, interact with sound, yeah. Maybe you can elaborate on that, how, how it works. Sure. I mean, we started out um, a, a while ago working with uh, uh, some of the big movie studios and we did, um, we actually did a uh, pilot uh, back just before COVID hit at Lionsgate. And, um, and what we did is when people are sitting in movie trailers, you know, watching them, it's, it's when, you know, it's really like dead time where you just see it. We sent sound signals through, through the movie screen to, to people's phones, just like Shazam. Um, and then if you hear this, if the, your phone recognizes the sound, we gave you a crypto reward. So it's a cool concept. It's a simple way to interact with people. And you could do things like get them to uh, answer a question like, hey, in this movie trailer, you saw a BMW speed by. Did you like the square headlights or the red or the round headlights better? Or did you like the color red or blue better on this thing? So it's a way of interacting with fans giving them some rewards. It's a way for brands to get input, like if Ford or, or BMW wanted to, you know, get insight into some uh, new, new model they're putting out. You can use it in that regard too, because the blockchain tech and NFTs are great sort of data magnet. They allow you to interact. That interact and interaction, if you're rewarding people, is a great way for them to, you know, get some value out of giving you input. And um, and you know that that otherwise is just dead time sitting in a movie theater watching this you know trailer and seeing you know fifteen minutes of basically dead time. Now so you just got about concerts about uh, t-shirts uh, being shot from uh, you remember you know, those t-shirt guns or whatever they're yeah. called. What are they? Yeah. What are they called? Yeah, we we t- we they, we have a t-shirt cannon. Um, a uh, cannons, right? Yeah, yeah. So, you know, the, uh, the idea for that came out of an article. I'm in the New York area and, uh, and I saw Mets were being sued by some fan who got shot point blank at a, at a game with a T-shirt gun, like a real one. Mm. And they got shit, you know, shot in the head. And so um, we're thinking, you know, you could just through the Jumbotron have a digital T-shirt cannon, basically shoot images of T-shirts at people. And you could hold up your phone and catch them on your phone if you catch the sound. You get a QR code and can, uh, you know, and you can show people uh, go go to the concession stand and redeem that QR code for that T-shirt. And and you could even take it a step further and do that with um, people watching over a television. If you think of being at a music concert, Coachella, you could you could do the same thing and say, okay, you know, anybody who listens for this sound right now could get a chance to go to an after party event, you know, after the concert's over, and you know, maybe be part of you know, some kind of interaction with your favorite musician on stage. So there's a lot of different ways you could spin it is what I'm really what I'm trying to say. The idea is the blockchain part of it gives you a unique token and ID on your phone or on your desktop that says, yes, you are in fact the one who participated. You Mm -hmm. are entitled to this, you know, to this ability to have this right. 
And, and when we talk about flat footed right now, you're seeing NFTs used as tickets to go in and see a music concert. Okay, that's cool. And maybe they give you an image. Okay. But if you could do so much more with it and really interact with a fan. And that's, you know, that's kind of where it's at. I think that's, that's really uh, where the value is. And if you think of it from an artist perspective, every artist ever, you know, ever uh, recording any, any music or, or, or performance of any kind always feels like they're cheated by the music company, you know, on royalties and, you know, and they're not getting their share. And in uh, probably most cases, they're probably right. Um, the blockchain component allows an artist to, let's say, give NFTs at a concert to their fans. That artist has a direct connection to their fan. There's no middleman. There's no music right. company. or, I mean, that, that's a big deal. And, you know, I think you and I talked about that concept of a thousand true fans being worth so much more than a hundred thousand, you know, just sort of over a TV advertisement or something. If you have true fans, they interact with you. They engage. They'll buy your NFT. They want a chance to meet that artist. They'll engage in an online forum. They'll buy your merchandise. They'll go to your next concert. So if you have an artist can can connect directly to them, the value proposition is through the roof compared to 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 you know the more traditional model today of all these middlemen you know taking big big chunks of that you know money out of the picture before it ever gets to you. Um, so well, that's really, I think that's a big part of the power of all of this. You're right about that because uh, Goldmine is about collector music collectors and they are mega fans. The fans reading Goldmine are the real meat of, uh, of your fan base. Whether it's digital or physical, they like the ongoing fan experience. Um, that would be gold to them, you know, like a VIP fan club. Um, the con- ongoing is the key word, like they're part of some exclusive club. Now, you mentioned the blockchain and we hear Ethereum all the time, and it's being um, stated as the most secure place to have an NFT. Is that correct? Uh, so, no, I mean, I don't buy into, in, into anything, any one technology being the end all be all. Ethereum gets a lot of um, negative feedback now from people outside the industry because it's it's based on something called proof of work, which is resource intensive, uses a lot of electricity to validate transactions. It's moving to something called proof of stake by this August. Um, it's also slow and it's expensive right now. Um, they're addressing a lot of those issues. So like any new technology, there's a lot of bumps in the road, but it's getting much better quickly. And there's a lot of alternatives to um, Ethereum, like Solana, Polygon. People are jumping into those too, and, and I'm definitely using a lot of those because they're cheaper and they still have a, a, a large scale to them. But generally, all of them are all of the bigger ones are secure. What you really hear about on all these hacks is what I describe as like Fort Knox. Fort Knox is secure. But the guy loading up the armored car and walking in the front door, he can get robbed. You can shoot him between you know the car and the door. Yeah. That 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 onboarding and offboarding ramp, that's where all the hacks are really happening. And there's bridges between these different blockchains. That's where all the most hideous hacks have happened over the last few months. So um, this one called Axie Infinity Play to Earn game. Um, you know, a lot of these guys are getting hacked, not in the blockchain, because blockchain is secure. Um, Bitcoin's never been hacked. And, you know, for the most part, these big guys are not getting hacked, uh, but they're... 
the vulnerabilities in getting in and out of those blockchains and people being sort of sloppy because it's early tech and there's not a lot of safeguards in your wallet kind of thing. Mm. If you make a mistake, then you can get hacked. MetaMask, this is a good one worth talking about. MetaMask is used by OpenSea as a wallet, and that's where a lot of NFTs are being held. If you open multiple browsers, let's say I'm on MetaMask on OpenSea, but I also then go look at CNN and I look at different news articles, you know, whatever it is. I have exposure to people coming in through other gateways that can see that I'm on MetaMask. And a lot of the hacks, you know, there's a lot of different ways people come in that, you know, you're not aware of that. They can tell, you know, I've got five different browsers open and my MetaMask wallet is also open and people can kind of come in through different ways of me not being aware that I have exposure while I'm interacting, you know, with some of these platforms. Yeah, the Um, first analogy is a good one. Um, I think people understand that better. Um, now, yeah. there's been other negative press, which you touched on the energy, the environmental issues from yeah. the energy of running the server um, to keep it secure. Is that correct? Is that why um, yeah. the energy is used? Yeah, so, so the one called proof of work, which is what Bitcoin's based on, what Ethereum currently is based on, it uses computer uh, power to solve uh, puzzles effectively. And, and whoever solves the puzzle gets a winning lottery ticket. They get some free Bitcoin, Ethereum. That, the, the idea there is that um, that is resource intensive. Most of the people, because it's a business, you know, it's in their best interest to use renewable energy and be efficient. So they are. You know, it's much more efficient than people give them credit for. But there's also the, this thing called proof of stake, which is what Ethereum will be on soon. And its competitors like Solana, uh, Polygon, others are moved to proof of stake so they can bang out gajillions of transactions quickly. Um, they don't have to use the energy so that you don't have to pay 20 bucks for an NFT kind of thing. If you think about a record, I'd pay 20 bucks for a record. When I was a kid, I'd pay for the album, let's say but I'm not paying 20 bucks just for the right to be able to buy the album and then buy the album. And that's the problem with Ethereum. So that's going to be at least mitigated, maybe not completely solved soon. Um, the environmental component of it, I think will be uh, mostly you know, eliminated, but um, those are legitimate issues you get with any highly disruptive, very innovative tech. We're seeing those bumps in the road and they're getting flattened out. More and more of those issues will go away. And the usability is honestly the biggest issue. We'll fix the environmental stuff issues. We'll fix a lot of the hacks. The biggest problem is really the wallets are clunky. Like for me to use it, I've been involved in this for a number of years. It's still awkward to go and, you know, cut and paste these long hash codes and wallet addresses and things. It'd be a lot simpler um, to have wallets just use simple IDs and things, but we're still secure. That will get much better over time. That's going to be where the next Google is. It's not the next cryptocurrency. It's not the next high tech company. Whoever develops a kick-ass wallet is going to let me move in and out of Ethereum and Solana and my CryptoPunk versus my music NFT versus others without losing it and getting hacked. Today, it's very awkward and I can get hacked and I can lose it easily. And if I fat finger something, it's gone forever. That's the problem with new tech and that's getting solved, but it's going to take time. So two years down the road, you think, I think this will all be pretty commonplace. We're kind of explaining it to people now, right? Um, yeah, I mean, you are. <laughs> um, 
And the thing is, is two years down the road, you know, absolutely probably five years, this will be in everyone's, you know, vocabulary, kind of like social media, right? Absolutely. I mean, you're seeing that now. You stand on the line for coffee, you know, somebody behind you in front of you is probably talking about something related to, you know, new NFT or crypto or, or, you know, something in the industry. So it's becoming much more mainstream, but it's going to take time. It'll probably, you know, I think the real impact is going to be, it it takes out a lot of banking and and Wall Street services. On the music end, I think it's going to change the nature of the way we consume a lot of this stuff. Um, I I mentioned if if you just, uh, if I just put a song that's on Spotify or, or, or a Pandora on an NFT, nobody cares. You know, it's just another way of consuming it that's not adding any real value. But if I were to say, hey, I could take beats off of that song, you know, we will rock you, bup, 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 and I can sell that as an NFT and give the right to build on that to, let's say, an aspiring artist, and they can do something with that. That's kind of cool. Like the nature of the way they build and add new music and being able to let a thousand different people try it, and maybe the original owner if I'm one of the original members of Queen, I could endorse, you know, the top hundred that I really like and see if they go anywhere. Mm. And the cool part we haven't talked about is commissions. Like I get a reoccurring commission. So if I sell that beat, we will rock you, bump, bump, bump. I sell it and I pick the top hundred. Well, every time they resell, I can help promote it or vote on it or something. Um, every time they resell, I can get a cut, 10%, 20%. Um, and that's a really cool part of it. And that's that's a big part of why, you know, artists like this stuff. This guy Beeple sold a painting for, uh, I think, 600 grand and it sold a month or two later for six million. He said his his wallet address just got credited for his royalty, which was was 10 percent of that six million, mm-hmm. like instantaneously. And that gets back to what I was saying before. I don't need the, the music company or anyone in the middle telling me what I get. It's just right. plugged into a smart contract. No chance I get cheated. That's my wallet address. I get it, period. Whenever it happens, I get paid on the spot. That's a big deal for artists, you know, and, and you guarantee you're not getting cheated. The smart contract executes. I get it the second that transaction happens. I get my commission. And I also have a chance to go out and let, let's say, let a thousand people try to build on the music I have. And, you, you know, you can even put on automated voting around it to say, hey, people vote on the best tunes and the ones that go up the line maybe i as the original artist can put the last vote on it or something but everybody just can it gives people a chance brings in the community like we were saying before the community is really what it's about and i want to get out there and reach a lot of people hmm. now you know obviously you know goldmine has to report on a lot of record collecting and memorabilia auctions mm-hmm. um now those are tangible things, okay? But they're including now NFTs for collectors, and you know big auction houses like Julian's Auctions. Um, now, at the very least, if you auction off a piece of memorabilia, you'll get a you know secure proof of you know authenticity, like you you mentioned, and ownership of this piece of memorabilia. And that's a great thing because it's secure because you know a piece of paper. And I've gotten this. A piece of paper can be, you know, um, it, it, it could be uh, bogus. You know, um, you never know. I mean, you. The big thing about memorabilia is you want to make sure it's authentic. Um, so obviously, as a music collector, um, tangible items. I've heard of things, and we've discussed this. Like for instance, um, 
what's your opinion about like say putting an nfc chip in a collectible like a record or is like in the center of a vinyl album or, or or in a piece of memorabilia and where you have to merely just tap that item and using a smartphone and it brings you connects you right to the nft and the information um what do you think about that technology so it's um you know i think the, the nft for collectibles is similar to the ford knox analogy i gave you before mm-hmm. if i sell you an nft of let it be and i say this is the original let it be it will always you you can't dispute that and when my nft moves around to the, this original beatles nft it's okay. going to stay very much secure and no one will mess with it from the time I put it in. The only problem is it's Jim sings and same things sings let it be. It's not, it's a fraud. So if I put a fraud in, it stays a fraud forever. If you can guarantee authenticity and people do that, if you think about an artist, if, if, um, um, if, if I'm Eminem, for example, and I say I have a verified Twitter account and I'm selling this NFT, which was generated from my verified account, that's a real deal. No one's going to mess with that. And that will stay real forever. I can, you can put that track out there and it's always going to be legit. But if, if it were me putting it out there and it's not legit, it's just somebody faking you know, an Eminem NFT and it was never good to start. So it never will be good. And that's it. So I, I think I told you in the early days of eBay, I bought a bunch of memorabilia. It was all bogus and it all came with certificates of authenticity. They're only as good as the original source putting it in. The best source would be if the artists themselves put it in. In the case you're describing with the uh, near frequency chips, that I think is, uh, is up and coming artists for the most part, isn't it? Uh, yes, who would put that chip in. Yep. It's a great use case for them. They can verify their account, put it in link it to the NFT. And then, um, and then you could say, fine, going forward, it's going to stay legit. And they they'd have to have a verified social media account, you know, tied to creation of that NFT. Um, but it, it's really the same thing with the, uh, even if I was a, a major artist, it has to come from me as a source. Otherwise, you know, it's probably, you know, right. just any one of a million people. That, that's the huge problem. OpenSea has had that problem already. And they've done a better job of cleaning it up. But early in the earlier days, let's say six months ago, a year ago, that's the early days, they um, they were getting a ton of fraud um, and people claiming they own things that they did not really own. So well, that, yes, that's a big deal. A piece of paper that says it's a COA can be counterfeit. It can be bogus. And, and what's really a big concern, obviously, is autographs. You know, if that's really the autograph, you know, and. And people always wonder, okay, I want to make sure I'm buying from a legit source, um, you know, bidding at an auction or whatever, because they'll, they claim and they're trustworthy that this autograph is uh, really uh, the, the autograph they say. Um, there's been a lot of counterfeit uh, in that area. So, um, you know, this is, this could be, this can prove to be great if, uh, you know, your COA is trustworthy and it's on a blockchain. So um, it looks like uh, it's good news for collectors all around. Um, As far as your company, what is the next step in the music space for you? Well, yeah, well, I guess, so, uh, you know, it's a good segue in the, um, if you think about the, um, 
your authenticity. Think of the Wu-Tang album, well, one of one. That's a great, great example where if they put it out from their verified account, that there's one NFT for that album, and that will stay that way for the rest of time. Now, that album could be released in the internet and anybody could listen to it. But collectors, a collector will say, I want to be the one person who owns the one legit verified copy. And somebody may pay, you know, a million dollars or several million dollars or whatever it is for that one NFT because they are a collector and it's guaranteed. It came from from that group and it's legit. It will always stay legit as a digital representation of that album. Any of us could listen and consume it. And that's really an important concept. Artwork too. People sold this thing for $69 million. Well, any of us, I've seen the picture, like I didn't pay 69 million. The whole world can see it, but one person owns the digital token and that's a collector. And so that's cool. That's, that's kind of almost what you want. You want, you need the, you need sort of the rich guy to go in and bankroll the artist, but at the same time, you'd like to have the world appreciate it. Um, so, you, you know, you get that out of, of using this type of technology for some high end stuff. If you think about um, collectibles in general, if you can authenticate that collectible and that's, you know, I am, I am basically working with some people who want to do some high end collectibles for sports and it has to come then from a very reputable authority that this thing is legit and it helps too to get the original uh, you know person tied to that collectible whether it's a you know a musician or or a, a, an athlete or whoever that you want it, you want the source selling it to be a credible very reputable source in, in your case um, you know you could sell stuff through goldmine and have a verified you know social media account that says okay we guarantee that coming out of here, this is this is a goldmine verified, uh, you know, NFT, and that's good as long as you guys do your job well. Then it stays good after that in perpetuity. And the same right. thing for any of the collectibles I'm dealing with. If somebody gives me, uh, you know, Babe Ruth baseball signed baseball. If I can say this was validated by a very reputable source and it came in, and we, you know, we could say, look, Babe Ruth is dead. He can't verify it but Steiner Sports or someone, you know, who has a reputation and maybe some insurance contract backing it. And there is a lot of insurance on the internet for that kind of, on blockchain for that. Um, then it's good. Then you can move it through the system and you tie the physical good with the digital representation. Um, the example I gave you, uh, I think last time was a kid who sold a sneaker, 17 year old kid drew a picture of a sneaker. Then had somebody create the physical sneaker sold it for $3 million because it was the first person really to try that on a blockchain. But it's a cool sneaker. It's a physical item. The NFT is a digital token that says whoever has this token has true ownership to the digital image and to this physical sneaker. And it's verified, you know, going out the door that this is, is in fact the sneaker tied to the NFT. Now, ultimately, if you think about it, somebody's, somebody's going to wear that sneaker and it's going to, you know, get holes in it at some point. So... You know, that's part of the deal, too. But and they'll play the records. If it's a vinyl record and it's cool, a true lover of the music is going to play that record. <laughs> well, thanks. Every time I speak to you, I, I learn new things. And of course, um, I'm learning more and more with the NFT space as, as months go on. And uh, we'll probably have you back as a guest um, in the near future. And thank you for taking your time, Jim. Sounds good. Thanks, Patrick. Thanks so much. Thank you, Jim. A very interesting chat about 
NFTs and the future of NFTs, specifically about fan engagement. That it's not just about the NFT itself, it's what it connects to. And listeners, don't forget to go to thedrop.pro to check out the latest of entertainment engagement via the NFT. Okay, go to goldminemag.com for other exclusive content and go to Barnes & Noble and Books A Million and pick up the latest print edition of Goldmine and shop at shop.goldminemag.com for unique vinyl exclusives and collectibles. We even have stereo equipment now, turntables specifically, to match your record collecting needs. Shop.goldminemag.com. Thank you so much, and we'll catch you next time on the Goldmine Podcast. This is Pat Prince, editor of Goldmine, signing off.